We'll turn to Psalms this morning and to the 46th Psalm, Psalm 46. Well, the verse which my attention was immediately drawn to was this in Psalm 46 and verse 9. So Psalm 46 we're in, uh, you haven't found the place as yet. Psalm 46 and verse 9. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. It's a tremendous uh, verse this uh, when we consider it. In fact, if we just consider also verses 6 and 7, just for a moment by way of, inter- by way of introduction, it says there, the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. Of course, we are hearing this at the moment, aren't we? How that uh, there is this threat of uh, invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. And uh, it's been on the news and we were told it was going to happen last Wednesday. And now we're, going to, we're told it's going to happen this week, perhaps early in the week. Uh, well, we don't know about that, but we do know this that in verse 6 it says the heathen raged and the kingdoms were moved. That has always been the case, of course. Kingdom has always risen up against kingdom and uh, uh, enemy against enemy, uh, that they would fight together. And the lusts of the heart of man is at the basis of it all. The wars of this world, uh, they are just a symptom of what is going on within the heart. And when we consider uh, the, the wars of the earth, no one can deny that they happen, particularly perhaps in this country and in Europe, uh, seeing the First and Second World Wars, uh, the Second World War still being uh, just about within living memory of, a, of, a, of one or two. And uh, we're, uh, we remember it, of course, or we remember the first one in, in actual fact, uh, year by year on the Day of Remembrance. Uh, it, it should never be forgotten. And yet it seems that it has been forgotten already. And that there are already the saber rattling and the, and the threat of war is upon us again. Uh, there was the, the old poem, I don't know if you remember, uh, that old poem about Guy Fawkes and how that uh, I see no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Well, it's been forgotten. And uh, it was written in, in such a time that uh, people should remember uh, that insurrection, that uprising. But people forget. People change history. People manipulate it. People are on purpose uh, forget history. I'm always grieved when we watch history programs that the place of the preaching of the gospel in this country is never mentioned. Uh, even though you go to any town or village that has abided in, in this country for any length of time, and there will be uh, churches and chapels which have been built in a time uh, when many, many people, perhaps everybody uh, of a village, went there. We saw the opening of the, the chapel yesterday, we watched it online, weren't able to go to it, but watched it online. And as that chapel uh, is just in a small village, it's quite a big chapel, but the people, of course, don't go to it anymore. But once upon a time, it was built there because everybody was going. Uh, but that's all forgotten from history. And the, the blessings of the Lord in the past are all forget, forgotten from history. And history is changed and manipulated to try to make the people think that that has nothing to do with any of the things that have happened in this country over the ages. Well, the heathen rage and the kingdoms are moved. But here in verse 6 it says, When he uttered his voice, the earth melted. 
See, man can fight against man. They can fire their shells and their bullets and their swords and whatever else it may be that they use to battle one another. But they cannot change the earth. Whereas God is able to send the hurricane. God is able to send the hailstones. God is able to cause the mountains to break forth and the earth to become volcanic. And God is able to manipulate the world itself. And here the, I think the psalmist is saying, well, the heathen rage and the kingdoms are moved, but when God utters his voice, the earth melts. And the Lord of hosts is with us. He's on our side. And God is able to protect and God is able to keep us. But as we consider these things in the world in these days, I want to think about this psalm uh, under these heads. First of all, the present danger. Of course, uh, from what we hear on the news, there is a present danger of, of war. Uh, some point part of the earth and if we're involved in it who knows where it might go uh, but a present danger and then our prayerful dependence upon the lord and then finally a powerful deliverance the present danger well the present danger is always present and the present danger i think is not just the, the heart of man in the fact that he has this tendency to battle and to fight and to look for revenge one upon another but the present danger uh, for all men and for every heart and every soul is a holy god we are told that we should fear god men fear men uh, we fear what might come upon the earth we fear wars and rumors of wars we fear uh, what men may do unto us but we forget that we have a holy god a god who is able to melt the earth a God who is able indeed to cause this whole planet and all the stars and all of the universe to vanish in an instant and roll up like a scroll. A God before whom we will stand in judgment. A God who will proclaim and who will pass judgment upon us and some will be cast out into outer darkness and from his presence and others the Lord will accept through Jesus Christ into his presence. The present danger is our sin. The present danger manifests itself in this world in wars and in fightings. Whence come wars and fightings among you, James says? Come they not from your lusts? It is the lust of men that causes wars. It's the lust of men uh, which uh, wants this piece of land or uh, this commodity or whatever else it may be. It's the lust of men which comes always in the basis of uh, some kind of a war or a battle. I think of the, the state of the Middle East in these days and, uh, and the place of oil in, in that desire. Other parts of the world which are uh, just as uh, uh, war-torn, well, the West is not interested in them. There's no commodities there. There's nothing for them. So why would they fight for it? But it is always the lust of man after something or other. And perhaps the, the next thing will be uh, after lithium or some other uh, metal that can be turned into batteries. I don't know. But whatever it will be, we will find people willing to uh, fight wars, willing to start wars, willing to stir up the people to insurrections that they might make a profit. And as the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil. But the holy God who looks upon the earth sees the corruption that is here and all the lord needs to do he doesn't have to start wars all god has to do is to remove the restraint uh, people say well we don't believe in god but god's hand of restraint 
is so much upon the people that when we consider the amount of iniquity that is in the world and the amount of good that we find in the world, we find that it doesn't balance out, that there is more good. We know more people who are kind, more people who uh, would be helpful, more people who care about things than we find those who would destroy stuff and who don't care about anything, and break things and destroy things and graffiti on things and, and uh, vandalize things. That's not most people. There is a hand of restraint. God restrains. But when the people depart from him, when the Lord says to the people, in effect, you don't want me, I will stand back and let you get on with it, then the wars begin, then the battles begin. Then the corruption begins and the the violence takes over. In Isaiah, we read together there from the third chapter. It's not just the third chapter, but the third chapter of Isaiah is a a good illustration of the condition of Israel before uh, the war came. The war which was to take the the children of Israel away, or the children of Judah rather, uh, away into captivity. But we see what the Lord says how that the Lord would take away the stay and the staff, the stay of bread, the stay of water, that the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man, and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator, and I will give children to be their princes. It seems to me in this day and age in this country that that's what we have, that the children are being trained by some uh, to, well, ignore God for a start and uh, everything's acceptable and whatever, it, whatever uh, pleases you to do. We heard of a, of a headmistress just this week who has now decided not only that the school is going to be uh, vegetarian or vegan, uh, but also that the children can take their playtime whenever they like. Uh, if you're feeling like you need a playtime, you can just leave the lesson, go out and play. No discipline. Uh, you, you can do whatever you like. And that seems to be the the attitude of people in these days. And without rule, without law, without order, there is destruction. Everything falls apart. We know that that is true. We can see it in mechanical things. If there is no order, the thing doesn't work. Something goes wrong, a part of it goes wrong. Then the whole thing doesn't work. What is the reason for this destruction? Well, perhaps we might say one of the reasons is, is that Uh, social media in these days and we may talk to each other on it but there is a lot of stirring goes on in social media and we don't know where it comes from you know people make comments and we don't know where they're from they say that they are from this university or that we can't tell that we don't know if that's true they could be russians they could be chinese they could be from anywhere in the earth it could be a group of people who are um, uh, seek to destroy a country it could be those who just look for uh, anarchism. Uh, there, there are anarchists in this world who don't believe in the rule of law. Uh, who knows where these things come? And, and they begin to stir up people. And they stir up strife. And there's this destruction of the people. Here, in this chapter, we, we see these things. And we see the pride also, which is spoken, to, uh, spoken of to us here in, from verse 16, because of the daughters of Zion. The daughters of Zion, who, well, they go about as if they have no care in the world. 
They go about with uh, so many of these things which are, are spoken of, we see around us today. Uh, maybe we might not recognize the words which are used, but the, the calls, the overcoats, the round tires like the moon, that's a, the crescents, probably earrings or, or uh, necklaces or that kind of a thing. The chains and the bracelets and the, the mufflers or the veils. The bonnets and the ornaments of the legs, the headbands, the tablets, the earrings, the rings and those jewels. The changeable suits of apparel, mantles and wimples and crisping pins. Crisping pins, an interesting one actually. Uh, It comes from a word, or it's reckoned to have come from a word which means a stylus for uh, carving out the the words on on a stone. So like you might see a gravestone in a graveyard which has been chipped out and carved out. Uh, the, the crisping pin comes from that idea. Perhaps it is, the thought there is of the chiseled features uh, of the makeup which makes a person look different than they would do without it. And maybe that's the thought here. But whatever it is, it is a complete lack of reality. It, it's, a, it's a facade. It, it's something which is so relaxed and and. It, it enabled to go about your business and do what you like. Is that is the thing which is coming across to us in this chapter? Well, in verse 10, we are thankful to say that the Lord says, Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. So in the midst of this chapter, even, there is this blessing. But the anger of God, the holy God, looks upon the iniquity of the world. And he brings forth his indignation upon the world. In Isaiah 9, we read of the anger of the Lord. And three times in that chapter, in verses 12, 17, and 21, we read at the end of those verses these words, For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And what does it say? Well, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour devour Israel with open mouth. Now the Lord will have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for every one is an hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. And uh, even people amongst themselves, Manasseh, Ephra, uh, the battling of Manasseh and Ephraim, and Ephraim and Manasseh, and they together shall be against Judah. There's all this infighting. And all of this is because of, the, 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 of a holy God who is removed himself for he is of purer eyes than to look upon sin and canst not behold iniquity and we see the judgments which come upon this world and upon this country because God has withdrawn himself and people think well if God withdraws himself good but it's not good it's not good you take away the Lord and you are left with men and men are corrupt Corruption will abound and increase. We find then the hateful enemy. There is an intent in the enemy. Now the Lord knows that the Assyrians are coming. The Lord has stirred up perhaps the Assyrians to come that the judgment of the Lord might fall upon Israel through Assyria. In Isaiah 10 and verse 5, the next chapter here from that ninth one we just read, where his anger is not turned away but his hand is stretched out still. It says in verse 5, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation, and against the people of my wrath will I give him charge, 
to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Howbeit he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. So the aggressor here has a different view of what he's doing to what the Lord sees. I, I, I don't know what is in Putin's mind. Maybe he doesn't want to go to war. Maybe he just wants some concessions made and to manipulate people so that they do what he wants under the threat of war. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe he does want the country of Ukraine and, and re-establish the USSR in some way. Who knows? But the point is what Putin wants or conversely what America or any other people are involved in this want is not what the Lord wants. The Lord has his own purposes and men will carry them out. And whatever they think they're doing, God's hand is upon it and God will order it that it will bring forth some good because God is good. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He will bring forth some good and he will bring it forth that it might be for the glory of his name. The intent of the hateful enemy, however, is to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. Because that's what the heart of man is. Man is hateful. And we see then the incursion. We read in chapter 10 again in verse 28, he has come to Iath. He is passed to Migron. At Michmash, he has laid up his carriages. They are gone over the passage. They have taken up their lodging at Geba. Rama is afraid. Gibeah of Saul is fled. Lift up thy voice, O daughter of Galim. Cause it to be heard unto Laish. O poor Anathoth. Those words stood out to me. O poor Anathoth. Do you know Anathoth was one of the villages of the priests? It was where the priests lived. It was where Jeremiah came from. It was a priestly village. And yet here it is written, O poor Anathoth. And the judgment of God was coming. And we know from, from Ezekiel that the judgment of God begins at the house of the Lord. Begins at the house of the Lord. And we see the judgment of God in these days. And we know certainly that the national church of this country is, has well, it's just turned to the world. It thinks it will bring people in by emulating the people. By being what the people want. But what the people want is corruption. And what they need is salvation. Here we see then the incursion. It's coming and a hastening end also. And the immediacy of it. Now therefore, Isaiah 8-7. Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. And he shall pass through Judah. He shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck. The stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. Associate yourselves, O ye people, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Give ear, all ye of far countries. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand. For God is with us. The word Emmanuel. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. So Isaiah has the word of the Lord that he should not follow the way of the people, but that he should walk 
in righteousness before God. And we read that word, O Emmanuel, and God is with us. And we know that it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of which God is Lord is the kingdom of his people, those who have come and trusted in the Lord. Those who have been transformed, those who have become what we term Christians in these days. In very truth, that we have the law of God written in our hearts, that we desire righteousness, that we strive against the iniquity of our own hearts, that we come to his word, that we might not follow after the ways of the world or the philosophies of the world, but that we might come to understand the philosophy and the word of the Lord. Because philosophy indeed it is, meaning the love of wisdom. The love of wisdom. The love of wisdom brings us to the word of God, for here is the wisdom of God, rather than the wisdom which is from beneath, as James puts it. We come then, secondly, to a prayerful dependence. A prayerful dependence. We need a careful supplication before the Lord. Verse 1 tells us God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He, his help is, as my margin has, his help is readily found. He is our refuge and our strength. And we've already seen from verses 6 and 7 how that the Lord is sovereign over all and that his power is it's just magnitudes away from the power of men with all men's purposes and the king of Assyria was a mighty man he, he had great power and was flowing through many of the nations in fact uh, made that great nation which went out even as far as India and so he was a, he was a powerful man he was a mighty man but God manipulated him God says I, he is my rod he is my indignation. He will do all my will. He doesn't think so. He's come to destroy. He's come to break down. He's come to destroy many nations. That's what he thinks. But I'm telling you that I am sovereign over all and he will do all my will. And here again, God is our refuge and strength and a, and a help readily found for us. And therefore, our prayerful dependence needs to be upon the Lord. Not upon the armies of this, of this land, not upon the, the wisdom of politicians, not upon the newscasters or anybody else, but upon the Lord. We need to draw near to the Lord. And under, underlying all of the wars and troubles of this world is sin. And we have sin. Those who seek war, those who perhaps... Say, well, it's not our fault. We didn't ask for a war. But nevertheless, sin dwells within our hearts. And the sin which dwells in the hearts of those who make war is the same sin which dwells in the hearts of us. We need to come before the Lord. We need to know the Lord's blessing. And if the judgment falls upon this land or if there comes a war to us, we are of a different nation. We are of a different people if we're the Lord's. Our nation cannot be taken. Putin or anybody else, it doesn't matter who the, the, the aggressor may be, cannot take the kingdom of which we are members if we are Christ's. He cannot see the kingdom. He cannot take hold of the kingdom. 
he certainly cannot defeat the king and even if he should take this flesh which has been the bane of our souls from the moment we were born and all of the trouble that we have experienced in this world has come through the flesh if he should take our flesh and destroy it we are absent from the body present with the lord the flesh is dealt with we have a new body and we are in the presence of god it's a win-win we cannot lose so let us seek unto the lord he is our refuge he is our strength and he is a very present help in trouble and he utters his voice and the earth melts now the lord of hosts is with us the god of jacob is our refuge and the lord gives us this promise also this comforting sovereignty of god in verse 10 be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the heathen i will be exalted in the earth and then the response the lord of hosts is with us the god of jacob is our refuge or as the margin again says our high place our high place Oh, we need to come to our high place. We need to be like the hind's feet in high places, dwelling in the presence of the Lord, dwelling before the Lord in prayer, in the study of his word, in the meditation upon his word, in our consideration of his might and his power. Just come back to this chapter and read those verses 6 and 7 once again. 6 in particular. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted and then finally then a powerful deliverance the lord is our defender the lord defends us it's interesting there in verse six it says uh, sorry in in verse four it says there is a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of god the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high I often, when I'm preaching, think to myself, oh, there's a tremendous verse, I could preach on that. Uh, and then I'm tempted to try to start, you know, while I'm halfway through a different message. But uh, let me just say that this river uh, probably has come into the psalmist's mind here. It doesn't say this psalm was written by David. It's written at some point for the sons of Korah, which were the songsters of the day, uh, the choir of the day, uh, the official singers of the land, and the song upon Alamoth, it says in, the, in its title. But the river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, is probably Hezekiah's tunnel, uh, the tunnel of Siloam, uh, which Hezekiah dug in these days, the days of Isaiah, which is why we went there, really. It was in Hezekiah's days. And Hezekiah had this tunnel dug through the rock that water might come into Jerusalem, so that if Jerusalem was besieged, that they would have water. And the water flowed in underground and it, was, it wasn't possible for uh, the enemy to stop it. And so that was the thought here. And perhaps the, the, the psalmist is thinking about those words and he is taking this and he is applying it in two ways as, as poets do. So here is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. When the river comes in, we will be glad that we have water and flowing water at that it's not a cistern it's not stagnant water it's not water that's been kept for for months or years but it flows it is ever renewed and it is sufficient for the people it will continue to come and when we think about this as as a people of the kingdom of jesus christ 
As a people who are connected to the Lord in that way, we have a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The streams of God's love, of God's strength, of God's promises, they all flow in. And where do they flow? They flow straight into our minds. They cannot be stopped. They cannot be stopped. Whatever situation we're in in this world, if we know the word of God, all the better. Because there will be more for the Lord to draw upon, to encourage us and to comfort us. That is why we are always exalted. Learn the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Meditate upon the scriptures. They will stay with you. They will come back to you. And they will help you even in the further reading of the scriptures. You will get the connections. They will begin to flow. And you will begin to more and more enjoy reading the word of God. But then also it says here the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. It is where God dwells. And of course Jerusalem is there the, the picture of the dwelling place of God. God was in the midst of her. In actual fact Jerusalem was going to fall. And the people would be taken away and the support walls would be broken down. We read of Nehemiah rebuilding the walls. The temple itself was destroyed. It's not speaking of that temple then in its full um, manifestation, but it's speaking about the temple which we are if we are Christ. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, we as living stones, as Peter says, are built upon him and upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We are that house which is the dwelling place of God and the place of the tabernacle of the Most High there is a river which flows straight into us. This is a powerful deliverance. A deliverance which none can stop. God is able to deliver our bodies. And that quite often is what the first thing comes to our mind. We're afraid of dying. We're afraid of losing a limb. We're afraid of being ill. But our bodies, as I've had many causes to, to speak to Carol, our bodies are the cause of our problems. And for them to be afflicted, some people afflict their bodies, don't they? We hear of Roman Catholics in the past who lash themselves, beat themselves, and do all kinds of things to afflict their bodies on purpose. Crawl up the steps of St. Peter's on their knees, and, all, and many other nations as well. We see uh, sometimes in, Philippines, in the Philippines where people have actually crucified themselves, and have nails driven into their hands, and all sorts of stuff, because of their bodies. They recognize this, and... Well, it doesn't matter what Putin or anybody else can do to our bodies because our souls are the Lord's. Our spirits are the Lord. Our spirits return to God who gave them. And we need to be in communion with the Lord and know the blessing of the Lord in our lives now and whatsoever may come to pass. There may be no more. There may be nothing at all comes from this. It could be, though, that some... Other malady will come upon us. There will be some sickness. We never expect it until it comes. It could be that there is a cancer ahead of us. It could be that there is an accident ahead of us. There could be all kinds of things that are ahead of us. But if we have a right heart and we are in the presence of the Lord, then we can be assured of this, that God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make us glad. There is a holy place, the tabernacles of the Most High, where God is in the midst of us and shall not be moved. 
and we again shall help us be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is our declaration then finally of the deliverance. This is the, the final lines of this poem, of this song. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. As I've said to you before concerning the book of Isaiah, and indeed all the prophets, when the prophets speak, they speak to all the people. Obviously the word goes out and the people can hear it. But when the prophets speak, God speaks. Now who does God speak to? He doesn't speak to the wicked who will not hear him. They refuse him. They block their ears. They, they are like a little child. No, 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 I'm not listening, I'm not listening. That's what they're like. So who does God speak to? God speaks to those who want to hear. God speaks to those who are his people. The prophecies of good, the prophecies of joy, the prophecies concerning Christ, they come to his people and those who are listening. Are you listening to the Lord today? Are you one of those who will listen and who will hear? For the promises are to you. The promises you are picked out to receive because your ears are open to hear them. Promises to someone who hasn't heard them are nothing. If I made a promise, for instance, to Ben, but I only told Carol, he wouldn't know it was a promise. He wouldn't be able to stand upon that promise. He wouldn't be able to come back to me and say, well, you promised. He wouldn't know I made a promise. So we have to hear what God has to say. We now need to listen to him. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow, cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. God is sovereign over all. For us, let us trust in the Lord. Or, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's rejoice in the Lord our God, and the Lord our Redeemer, and whatsoever may come to pass on this earth, to know this, that the heaven and earth shall pass away. But God's word, Jesus says, will never pass away. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we give thanks that we are able this day to come before thee and to encourage our hearts in the Lord. Lord, we pray that the word which goes forth from this house may have a hearing in those who would either tune in on the internet or who are present here this morning. Lord, we pray that we might receive thy word, that we might think upon it, that we might hide even these verses within our hearts. And how many verses can I say, Lord, that I have remembered because I heard them preached on once upon a time and they just struck me. And they've stayed with me to this day. I thank thee for it. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst hide thy word within our hearts. That we might become the scriptures in our thinking. Lord, bless us then, we ask. And continue with us. And bless this thy word. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.